We're starting this one differently. This episode is dedicated to any young boy, any man who has been sexually assaulted in his past, who has tried to resolve his issues, tried to overcompensate for the things that happened, who has never spoken about it. This episode is dedicated to you, and hopefully it is one that inspires you and encourages you to understand that what happened to you was no fault of yours, whether it was by the hands of a man or the hands of a woman, whether it was, in your estimation, a great action, whether it was a touch or something deeper. Welcome to another episode of Men's Truth. And to be honest, it took us, my colleagues, Mr. Michael Natu, the poet, the journalist, and the financial and sales coach, Mr. Karim Ellis. A lot, it took us a lot of mental and emotional preparation to delve into this topic. It took us, um, it, it forced us to reflect on our lives and the things that we've experienced, to wonder or to even consider if it happened in a way that. Uh, we overlooked or we accepted as part of society. And to help us navigate this, we, we, we have brought, I would like to welcome an activist, a revolutionary, a lecturer in the, in the Institute of Gender and Development Studies, a colleague of mine, someone I admire a lot, and someone who I, you know, I strive to be like, Miss Carla Moore. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm just trying to manage these allergies right now and also to deal with the violence that black men are facing uh, in the States. It's really upsetting me a lot. Ah, yeah. Um, eventually, it's going to have to be one of those topics we cover, how expendable the black body, even the black male body is. Um, so, yeah. But today we're looking at sexual assault of men and boys and Carla I just wanted to start with an experience that I had when I just started UWE I distinctly remember there was one FYE and the speaker was a lawyer and she was talking about the fact that men can't be raped so when I heard that I, I, I questioned I wondered why you know where, where why why and she said, according to the law, rape is defined as, you know, penetration. And since men can't be penetrated, then can't be raped. And then, you know, she quickly brushed it off. And I was so upset that I left. Um, because essentially, it was as if any instance of, of, of any kind of sexual um, encounter that a man did not want is, is just brushed aside or it's only discussed if it's a man doing it to another man and so I wanted to find out why is this where does this come from it's a really good question um, because it's it's definitely a blind spot that we have so first thing to address is that according to the Jamaican law a man cannot go to court and say that somebody raped me. It's mm -hmm. a massive gap 
in the protection that we offer to men and boys. Because um, what people will say is, oh, in the instance that he was assaulted by another man, the bugger law will cover it. No. The bugger law only can um, carry a sentence of up to 10 years, whereas rape carries 15 years to life. So there's a significant gap in the level of justice that women can get if they are raped versus what men can get if they are raped. And the bugger law doesn't consider sexual consent and a man can say that he was assaulted but it's not rape and all of those things. So men are actually not as protected as they need to be under the law. And the reason for that, it actually comes back down to our gender roles. The perception is that men are strong, men are dominant, men are always in control. And as a result, we don't think of a man as being somebody who can be assaulted. We don't think of him as being somebody that a woman can assault because the assumption is that the woman is submissive, the woman is weak, and if anybody is going to be overpowered, it's going to be the woman. And a lot of this actually comes back down to our failure to think intersectionally. So when you (laughs) think of a man and you think of a man with a disability, then you understand that a woman can take advantage of a man. When you think of a boy dealing with an adult woman, then you understand that a woman can take advantage of a man. But those are the only two instances because you can be a full-grown man and a woman can still sexually assault you. But it's the gender roles and what the gender roles teach us. And then when you come into the Caribbean, the idea is, well, a man should want sex. So because we have this idea, the gender roles teach us that men are supposed to be interested in sex, men are supposed to be up for sex whenever it's available, then how could a man ever possibly be raped? And then again, well, if you got hard, how could it be raped? So then that's another thing that delegitimizes it. And then do the same foolishness with women too, right? It's all but you got women. Yeah. So it's not real. Uh, so that means, uh, that's not necessary. and that's not necessarily a fair argument because, it's a, it's a bodily reaction. You really can't control it in a sense. In, in some of the cases, that, I don't feel like that should have really been a reason why. But it's all like there's a big double standard where that is concerned. Well, it's a problematic standard that actually lick everybody. Because the yeah. idea <laughs> is, if your body is showing that you're into it, then yeah. it's not sexual assault. But there can be a miscommunication where people can actually show arousal for something that is not arousing for them. It happens all the time. So people will watch pornography that they actually find violent and they find brutal and they find repulsive. But because it has a sexual element, their body will respond as though they're sexually aroused. And then with the, with the body also, it's friction. If you rub it long enough, it has a become. As a society, we are actually very dismissive of rape cases. We don't actually want to believe when people say that they are victims of rape. And when men talk about being victims of rape, the additional barrier is, but you're a man, you're supposed to be strong, you're powerful, you're supposed to be in charge of a situation. How could you allow someone to, to overtake you? But, but um, where I grew up, where, where everybody, there's a particular river where everybody goes. And all the women, you would, you would have all the women there, you'd have young girls. And it was perfectly fine. It was encouraged for all the women to tell young women. You know? And those things, those things were, in, in, you know, for me, and I can see that it, it was a bit of an ego boost. You know, what they call us yeah. is actually... Yeah. It's a whole masculine image. 
Mm-hmm. Your masculinity is, is, is very much tied to your sexuality or your sexual, your sexual prowess. Even at a very young age, I mean, the younger you were when you had your first sexual encounter, you know, the, 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 the more praised you were and the more prized you were. I remember my first sexual encounter in the form of a kiss in high school. The girls were playing truth out there and then they dare one of the girls to, to kiss me, right? I didn't consent. I didn't agree. This was a decision made for me, you know. Um, I did feel good after, yes, but that's not the point. The point is that I did not consent to it. And there are these things built around it that makes the act um, more acceptable and more welcoming, whether you consent to it or not, especially as a man. I want to touch, I want to touch into a different dynamic because I think we're also just looking at some stuff on the surface. I don't think we even think about some of the psychological effect that this thing has on us growing up as men if you've been molest, molested as a child, right? Some of these stuff, I mean, some of the things we like, some of the things that probably some men like nowadays in their old age, some of the fetishes and stuff that they've developed, it could be a, as a result of being abused and they just don't know how to justify it. You know, psychologically, mm-hmm. they, they suffer from probably anxiety and all kind of other issues just because of this. Yeah. Sometimes we don't even look at the fact that, I mean, we're here talking about abuse from women. We don't even touch the part where... It's probably abuse from a man. <laughs> Who the hell are you going to tell? I mean, somebody, another man abused me. I mean, like, where am I going to go to tell anybody that? That's a very important point you just raised, Karim. Why is it that, well, to me, it seems like, you know, a man growing up with all of this trauma and it molds and shapes how he views relationships, how he views women and how he treats women. He's viewed he's viewed or typecast as a monster without the context, without the without any room for understanding what could have happened to him in the past to make him this way. As if he is responsible both for the things that happened to him and also responsible for the things that he the things that he does, right? In comparison to women, they, I think I, I feel like there is always this attempt to understand what are the things that led her to do these things or led her to be these, this way. So there mm-hmm. are there are a lot of ways that we don't interrogate people's behavior in a way that is very compassionate to them, and that also includes men. Because we're not in the habit of having that conversation about men as victims of ourselves. And I mean, it, it has to be something that we talk about. The same things that benefit men in society and give them props come back to hurt them, right? So um, the same things that cause men to have certain levels of access and dominance in society can come back to hurt them because what it creates is a society that is not as compassionate towards them in certain ways because we are in a mm. habit of reserving compassion for people that we think of as the victim. Um, and there mm. are still a lot of men who do not have language to even say that they were sexually assaulted because they do not know that they were sexually assaulted because they don't think it's yeah. something that could happen well, to them. Well, uh, from, you know, c- culture and how we grew up, you think it's natural. It's, uh, a woman supposed to touch me a certain way. <laughs> 
I am, you understand, not despite her age or whatever, and I'm not supposed to feel any way about it. This is, this is part of being a, a, a quote-unquote man, yes. in a sense. And because and I'm, not going, to, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think I've had experiences where I could, looking back at it now, I would consider it abuse. But if we're going to be honest, I probably did like it. If, if, you, get where I'm, if you get where I'm going. I probably did like it because in my mind, I'm becoming a man. Right. Do you think doing it negates the, 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 the negative impact of, of, of what particular particular is? Um, okay, so I want to, to, I want to pick that apart in terms of the phrasing um, so that we can be very deliberate with it. For men who have been sexually assaulted and also enjoyed the encounter, because it's not that them enjoying the assault, they enjoy the encounter. Sometimes it's afterwards mm-hmm. they must sit down with themselves and they realize that you know say I did assault. Right? Mm-hmm. Does it make it more complicated? Yes. Because guess what? Our model of the rightful victim is somebody who it was a stranger did it. Somebody just come out, come attack them and shot them and they were kicking and screaming mm-hmm. the whole time. That's mm-hmm. our model for the victim, mm-hmm. you know. It's only under those conditions it was assault. It was somebody you never know. You were mm-hmm. kicking and screaming the whole time and then just jump out and do it. Mm-hmm. Now, when it's somebody where you know, yeah. I wonder where you know, you know, now when you know her, or more, actually, more popular in the Caribbean, it was the helper. Because a lot of boys mm-hmm. are introduced to sex by the women that, that work for them family. The father set them up. Right? Wow. For the woman to introduce wow. them to sex. So the woman sexually assaults them when they, very early in life. So when it's somebody that you know, when there has been relationship between you and them in the past, where you know a par and you know a hang out and you know one another and maybe little feelings dead. And when it happened, while you did not consent to it, it wasn't horrible for you. So it was mm-hmm. physically yeah. pleasurable, but you did not consent to it. At that point, you don't know how to identify. Am I truly a victim if I enjoyed it? Did you consent to it? No. Well then, that's what you need to know. You did not consent to it, right? You will drive yourself crazy as somebody who has gone through assault, trying to pick it apart, going, well, well, was it because I never fought all the way through. At some point, I kind of went ahead with it. Was it because maybe we didn't give them a vibes? Was it because, I mean, was it assault? Yes. So let, let, let me, let me, I just want to stop you a minute. I just want you to clarify that because in a sense of consent, what is it supposed to be? A solid no or a fight or what is the case? Because for, for some people, a no, a no, a no, a no can turn into a yes. And as I heard you mention before, you know, the, the, the fact of enjoying it. So if you begin to enjoy it, even though you initially didn't consent to it, how do we identify between the two? All right. So the way that I talk to people about consent is this. Consent is a mm. clear and enthusiastic yes. That's what consent uh-huh. is. No, uh-huh. we live in a culture that tells some men that no mean try harder. And also mm. tells women mm-hmm. that they must say no the first time. But exactly. me want mash up mm. that the dolly house there because that need for bundle no, because it's not serving mm. any of us. Clear and enthusiastic, mm. yes. Because you see, when you try and somebody say no and you stop, then they learn that they have to say yes if they want to get what they want. 
you also keep mm. yourself out of that hot water where it becomes unclear if there was consent. If somebody said no, stop. If they want it, mm. let them come mm -hmm. and say this is what I want. Yeah, I feel like the consent thing is not necessarily black and white. I feel like there's too much variable no. between it. No, and I think that's is, probably one of the I biggest. Give an example. We have we have allowed a lot of gray areas to exist, and that's why we get into so much mess. In my first year of UWE, again, a lot of young men came to to UWE to you know to get women, right? And there was this particular woman on a on a hall that I you know went went over to her room. I had my intentions and she had hers. But then something happened, I can't remember what happened, that totally turned my mind against it. And so I decided to leave. While trying to leave, she said she started to pull me back, right? And I'm moving towards the door. And she says, if you turn that door handle, I'm going to scream rape. No, at that point, I have two decisions, I have two choices, one or two choices to make. Do I try to leave, she screams rape, and chances are they are going to believe her um, over me, or do I stay and have sex with this person knowing that I do not want to? And for the entire ordeal, I was traumatized. And, and, and so, again, this, this was not, this was not, I, to me, again, this was not consent. But I do believe that everyone who has a story to tell, who, 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 who speaks about some incident or some ordeal, that we deserve to listen to them. We deserve to hear their story. Um, because a lot of people are, uh, are sort of big, or turned off because they are afraid that no one is going to believe them. Um, and so when it comes to this consent thing, black, it's, it's not black and white, but everyone deserves to be, to be, to be heard. Yeah. But I think once, I think once you said you did want it, it becomes null and void. I, I personally feel that that's the case. Here's the thing. We accept that people change their minds about everything. You did a drive back KFC and all of a sudden you pass Burger King and you said, hmm, I'm gone over there, so. You go in at the shops to buy a clocks and you see the Jordans and you said, hmm, I'm gone over there, so. So if we can understand that people will change their minds about things that are superficial, why can't we understand that people will change their minds about something as significant as allowing you inside of their body or entering their body or whatever the sexual exchange uh, you know, entail. It's like people are dynamic. We're sorting through our emotions on a second by second basis. I, you have had the, con the experience before where you like somebody and then say one sentence wrong and your feelings just shift. So why yeah. wouldn't you think that in the sexual act, you and somebody could be there and vibing and the initial plan was that this was going to happen and their emotions shift. I want it. My consent is I have said yes to it. When my, that, my mind changes and I say no, the most recent answer is what stands, right? Mm -hmm. Provided I was not coerced. Because right, the right. other thing we need to talk about that we do to each other, and I think, I mean, Stefan, that situation in that room, that's like one of the most violent things to have to go through, to have somebody use, you know, I'm going to Fear. say that you assaulted mm -hmm. me to get through it. 
but like that is people will coerce each other will force each other because when they did say yes before so why are you yeah yeah but, how do we teach our young boys because boys go into men how do we teach our young boys to say no how do we teach them to stand up for themselves i think teaching young boys to say no first of all we have to teach them resilience to what is going to happen when they say no because we cannot deny what the potential outcome is given where our societies are right now they're they're going to get cloned Mm -hmm. they are going to get cloned Mm -hmm. they are going to get cloned by their friend group they are going to get cloned by the girl that they have said no to they are going to get cloned and so one of the things that we have to teach young boys is that your your validity as a man doesn't come from the group. But this is actually a much harder thing than just saying that because the fact is men sign off on other men's masculinity. So the man ha- the men have to co-sign on it. So in a way, you're asking them to do something that's counterintuitive because it's like, no, but and the youths them are for me ratings for me be a real man. But it's about teaching them the resilience that even if that set of youth don't give you the ratings, you can find a next set of youth who will. Mm-hmm. So it's to, to remind them also, I think we don't have conversations with boys about the value of them own a body. No. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever and spoken I think, to me about that when I was younger. So. There you go. And I think if we start to have a conversation with them where they can realize that their body is worth something and their body is actually something worth protecting and their body is actually something that somebody else should wait for. We don't make men think of themselves in that way. Then that would be a shift. But you're doing that inside of a cultural context that is teaching them the opposite. Yeah, we think of our body as to give. So you're giving us, I know probably we give you two. You understand? So, yeah. so that, I, I can see why that conversation is not going to be, it's going to be a very interesting conversation to break down and decipher to, 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 a, to a youngster. But, but I, yeah, it's yeah. something that why is it important to leave the community and pick up a thought? It's important to use clear language for me. And I mean, if you have a different way of viewing it, I'm open to hearing that. But for me, it is important to label experiences as assault, if they are assault, so that people can start to grapple with the impact on them. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are dealing with feelings that have come from having their boundaries violated, that have come from saying no and people doing it anyway, that have been have come from being put in situations where they did sign up for one thing, but it's two, three, and four things happening, mm-hmm. and basically having their preferences not respected, and they're dealing with the psychological and physical outcomes of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when a person isn't allowed to say, I was assaulted, they're dealing with all of the feelings that an assault survivor have, but they don't know what they mm-hmm. deal with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you can use that type of language, it allows you to identify for what it is. It's also important for perpetrators because there are any number of behaviors that we will kind of go, oh, you know, that kind of wrong, but, and we brush it off. Oh, you know, that kind of wrong, but I saw the thing mm-hmm. said. No, that's not how the thing said. The thing being said that way is hurting people. 
And when you point out to people that what you have done is actually assault, then they will have to check themselves because otherwise they will try to say, oh, it's a cultural norm. It's just the way things are done here. Or what they will try to say is, "Only too sensitive man, you um, know, make a big deal out of uh, nothing because they want to continue with the yeah, behavior." And, uh, and that point, Claudia, is like that. That question I have been trying to ask: like, is there any room in this overall conversation about men and boys and sexual assault? Is there any room for the argument that we may be sensitive? I think that there is room for all types of conversations to be had, but I am extremely hesitant to say that we are being overly sensitive. And I will say why. If we had been more sensitive when we needed to be, we wouldn't need to be having this conversation today. Mm -hmm. The fact that a podcast talking about the fact that men are assaulted is actually groundbreaking in our context would not be the case if we had been as sensitive as we need to be. We are actually coming from a situation where we have had virtually no sensitivity. Mm. And in that situation, when you insert any type of sensitivity, it's going to feel like you're over. Mm -hmm. And that's why I come back to, it is important for each, and I think Stefan said it, it is important for each individual to be able to articulate what happened to them, go sit down with themselves and make sense of it. But when a person speaks, we need to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Because we know that sexual assault is a blind spot. It's a big blind spot. The community no one deal with it. It's very important that we start to have the conversations and give people the language so that they can use it how they see fit. Now, on an individual level, a person might go through something, then they say no, then they start to enjoy it, and they will say, it was not consensual at first, but eventually I feel as though I consented to it, and that's fine. That's a trajectory that they can make sense of for themselves. Us having these conversations doesn't demand that everybody process out things in the same way. So I think it is more important that we be sensitive. Because, <clears throat> because sensitivity doesn't have to be, you know, softness or, 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 or any concept of, of being effeminate or anything. It's Sensitivity simply means being open and being understanding to the experiences of 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 someone else even sharing the the flyer for this episode you know one conversation i had with 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 a friend of mine was that listen his first his first sexual encounter was with an older woman and and it was and he didn't really understand the value or the impact it had on him and the way he treated other women until we had that discussion. And, and yeah, even, even though I'm not expecting somebody, I'm not expecting everybody to break down and cry, but I think it's really just the space to work through your thoughts, work through your experiences, work through your emotions as a man because throughout our lives we have always been taught to focus on someone else i mean even our very bodies our very bodies we work for someone else um, we work to provide you know um, and so when it comes to sex it's about it's a, it's about giving our bodies to somebody else instead of understanding that your value as a man is for you and 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 our boys need to 
reclaim or, or, or boys need to learn that the value of your body is for you in and of yourself and we need to protect our boys because they are the same ones that are going to grow up to be better men the men that we could not have been to break this cycle of abuse in any way shape or form whether it's a man man to man man to woman woman to man this is where this is where it starts i think it's something that we that but it's that's a somewhere everybody has to be with you know because when it's um there are some women like and it's actually going to come out in something that i'm doing this sunday that stefan is going to be on when there are some women that when people sexually harass them themselves but i just because you're pretty and you should act like yeah, somebody wants yes. you right and 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 there's a way that you actually kind of you know, if you're not careful, you will start to say, well, yes, I'm true. At least somebody wants me. At least me not ugly and I'm not unseen. And you as a man, you really live in a system where tell you say, if I set a man at your ratings, it is good yep. for you. So yeah, you have got feel good. Least, yeah, at mm -hmm. least you get something, right? And I mean, it's so complicated because when you talk about the fact that men's bodies have never belonged to them and they have to work it off for this and work it off for that, it's complicated because on the flip side, Men's bodies undergo far less invasion mm -hmm. than women's bodies. For example, them have X amount of birth control can show in a full body at various times. They <laughs> haven't developed the same for men because yep. it's understood that you can interfere with women's bodies and implant things in there and whatever, but men's yeah, bodies yeah, you don't mess yeah, with. Yeah. You know? So it's so it's so messy and it's so complicated. And that's why I always say to people, yo, it don't make sense we do this thing where we are trying to decide who is the wow. oppressed gender. The gender roles are strangling all of us, right? So, and I think it's like it's one of the important things for us to when people come up and say, Well, you know, why is it that women don't talk about men's issues? I'm like, Bro, I understand what you're saying, but recognize women are creating a space because they are in a system. You want your space, take your space. You can't keep coming into women's spaces and say, Why are you not talking about me? <laughs> Which, which is the very, which is the very reason we started this, this podcast, Men's Truth, because it's a, it is a space for us to talk about things that relate to us, things that have an impact on us, and to talk about topics like these that we don't necessarily hear in the mainstream, and it's really not about blaming or comparing but it's really just about working through the things that we oftentimes suffer in silence and um, for the men out there not because you've never been abused or you you don't define it as abuse or it's something that you you feel good about when you know a woman grab a fire or, or touch you or you were sexually active from young but that doesn't mean that it's, 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 it's what applies to everyone. And it's about understanding and respecting each other as men and also protecting the next generation, as I said, so that they can become better versions of, our, of, 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 of who we are. And women understand that as much as your body is yours, a man's body is his, it does, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it, 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 it can't be one, one thing in one way and another thing another way. And yes, there are those men who believe that a woman's body is his. 
but that's for another topic we really really just want uh, or we are really really grateful to, to to have this opportunity to discuss something like this and this is just the beginning hopefully it serves as a catalyst for this conversation to continue elsewhere in other spaces for men to sit down and think about their own experiences to recalibrate and recondition their minds as it relates to how they define their bodies and how they, they, they wield the power of sex or how the weapon of sex is wielded against them. And so I really, really want to thank Carla for, for just being here with us this evening. I really want to thank the bros. I mean, I never really thanked them before in this way, but I really want to thank the bros for the honesty um, and the openness and, and willingness to discuss something like this, right? And hopefully the, for anyone who is listening out there, I pray that you have the strength, you have the courage, and know that you can speak to us, you can speak to anybody who you deem trustworthy, who, who you think will understand. And we're going to continue this discussion on IG, on IG Live, right after this premieres. If you're listening after Saturday, just know all the contact information is in is in the profile before and you can reach out to us at any time. The journey continues. This has been another episode of Men's Truth.